the Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sport, science, and more. I write these songs to get you out of my head. I hate that I love all the things you said. Welcome, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Uh, we've gotten a lot of really great response, uh, so we wanted to say thank you to everyone out there for listening and our incredible sponsors and supporters. Uh, as always, a reminder to check out our website, theabstractathlete.com, for upcoming events and information, and follow us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Music today was provided by the super-talented Riker, uh, check them out when you get a chance. Um, today we're excited to talk with Dr. Ron Garbo. Ron is a former Ohio State All-American wrestler and physical medicine and rehabilitation HRV specialist, HRV, which is heart rate variability. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the Ohio State Buckeyes heart rate variability and how it benefits us. And maybe, just maybe, Ron and I will discuss our high school rivalry. Anyways, thanks. Look forward to talking to Dr. Ron Garbo. I think I'll write this song instead. I cannot read between the lines. I wrote down silly lies. Back then, mostly butterflies. Back when we could modify words I used to justify. Thought it just preoccupied. We're paying, we can't find. We were mystified. Making them roll back. Shining eyes with sun tap. Potential in my backpack. Forgetting to keep my ass strapped. Okay, well, we're, we're st- we've started. Um, happy today to, to bring in Dr. Ron Garbo. Um, lots of different directions we're going to go to today, like probably talk a little about, about the Ohio State University. Uh, we actually were just introduced to each other two months ago, roughly yeah. r- month or two months ago. Um, and actually grew up in rival <laughs> rival towns, which I think is hysterical. So we we have a go Bears versus go Cardinals little thing going on here. So, um, but I think really what we want to delve in deeply to is this: uh, what your research is really based on. Although I do want to go back into thinking about what you actually studied at Ohio State, um, the specifics of it, but. Um, I think what we really want to talk about is uh, HRV, which is heart rate variability. So we can start there. We can start at the beginning and work into it. Um, it's really up to you. This is your platform. <laughs> you know how this goes. So um, it's it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I don't think we need to go into what divides us about uh, rivalry of the Ohio <laughs> Capital Conference, which nobody wants to hear. But we can come together. I do. I do. Both, okay. both uh, uh, bears Ohio- and cardinals. <laughs> Ohio State alums. Um, So, yeah, I uh, have been uh, very fortunate, 22 years in um, clinical practice, physical medicine, rehab. Last 10 years, I have found my passion, and it's around the science of heart rate variability. And it is uh, unlocking many, many secrets of the what I call the body-mind connection. I studied... uh, molecular genetics in undergrad. Uh, I, I was on the wrestling team, was an All-American. And ever since, I've tried to figure out this, this um, mind-body, body-mind uh, connection. 
uh, I went to Ohio University uh, for osteopathic medical training, and then I came back to Ohio State uh, to do specialty training of physical medicine rehabilitation. I've recently become part of the Virginia Con VCU uh, Physical Medicine Rehab Department, the hub of uh, brain Injury Consortium for the United States Military and the Veterans Association. Did you move here because of that? No, no. Okay. I, I came out of residency at Ohio State and came down to uh, Virginia in 1997. Uh, been living in, the, in this area and now in Williamsburg and love it. Yeah. So It's stunning out here. Like, people don't realize how beautiful it is out here. But, I, like, I do want to go back. Like, so you... You came out of high school, uh, went to Ohio University first? No, no. Uh, you went to Ohio State first. Ohio That's State. That's what I thought. So, uh, and you walked onto the wrestling team and then became an All-American, which is astounding. Like, like that's a right. huge... So, right. So, so my problem was uh, choking under pressure. <laughs> so uh, I didn't get a choice. I, it, if I wanted to wrestle in college, I'd have to walk on. Right. Uh, uh, I did well. I yeah. just couldn't perform. Right. And so I was Ohio State's first walk-on All-American. And so, you know, as, as many successful people know, hard work lends to success. Uh, but we'll, what we'll talk about is there's a certain point where working harder uh, can work against you. And so uh, I studied uh, genetics, and then I, I went to medical school. And actually, uh, after... Uh, after uh, five years into practice, I actually had a heart arrhythmia. Um, and um, again, uh, I was burning out five years into practice already and because the theme was working harder. Right. And, and working harder uh, can work against you and cause uh, ill health. And so then I found meditation and then found this science and... Uh, I'm healthier than I've ever been. I'm thriving in my practice and doing uh, research projects as well. Isn't that interesting, though, to, like, to think about both of us growing up in, in these athletic worlds, and that's what we're taught, <laughs> is you have to practice, 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 work, 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 um, but we don't talk about the mindfulness. I mean, I mean, I think it's starting to become more, I mean, people are becoming more aware of it now than ever but back when we were growing up like it was you know you have to go at it a hundred percent all the time all day every night and and all you think about is sports and that's it and, and right so yeah an athletic performance uh, i mean what what people are doing today compared to 50 years ago it, it, there's just no comparison so yep. you, you can't you can't say that this generation is weaker or anything like that no they're being driven harder and so we're going to have to learn ways how to manage it. Um, uh. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I'm, I'm, I think about, I was reading an article the other day about the NFL's football practices are like completely different. Like they actually don't even hit hardly anymore during practice. Which, again, like thinking about, I mean, just in high school about, like we said every day in high school and just how different practices are now and how different the people, and like, and I mean, you work with um, 
what is the I've, name of the school? Christopher I, I've, Newport. I, I work with a basketball coach at uh, Christopher yeah, Newport, Newport. Yeah. Uh, Division Three basketball team. I've worked with the uh, Christopher Newport Wind Ensemble and um, a Division One wrestling team as well. And uh, yeah, so so what we're in the the low hanging fruit in athletic performance now is what I call intentional recovery. Yep. Uh, everybody's being driven harder with whether it's with smartphones or uh, all sorts of training techniques. And so what's happened is we've really gotten to the point without taking uh, drugs, uh, we've gotten close to maximizing acceleration, right. power, uh, these doing tasks. Um, and so the low-hanging fruit is intentional recovery. Can you recover? If you can recover quicker, faster, deeper, steeper, you can handle more load the next day. Right. So there's an inverse relationship. Instead of focusing on how much load someone can handle, we're going to, with, with wearables, we're going to monitor how well you recover and what are the decisions which starts a conversation, whether it's uh, your thinking habits, your physical habits. And so to your initial question was practices. So now what practices need to be is ultra intense, ultra crisp, and uh, have a sharp uh, stop and start. And so that, that the recovery process begins immediately after practice. Right. And, and you're not wasting mental energy in between. So, so, uh, yeah, I, I will throw this statistic out for you to keep in the back of your mind. Your brain is 2% of your body weight, right? It can burn 20 or more percent of the available carbohydrates. <laughs> right. So, so I work with uh, a female athlete who is trying to uh, make the Olympic team and from this area. No, no. Okay. I actually uh, work with her remotely oh, cool. uh, from okay. Arizona uh, using the wearables and the different techniques. And to speak of the wearables, the, these are like monitored. Like you wear a ring, but there's other... Oh, you wear a wrist... Okay, didn't you have a ring the last I time? Did. Okay. I did. I test out different products. Okay. The, the, the one I, I like now I'm working with is uh, uh, Biostrap and uh, Neuroforce One. Right. Um, and and so I can. Uh, and so I think that this becomes interesting. Like talk about like, I mean, maybe getting deeper into the heart rate variability and how like what these devices do. And like you were already starting to talk about the recovery mechanism and how these devices like really show what right. what the recovery is doing or how you know like right. sleep and you know I know we talked somewhat about this, but yeah, tell. tell so I think so, it's fascinating. So um, so just like. When I was trying to figure out uh, choking in wrestling in high school, I'm now working with this athlete who uh, they taper, they taper uh, three days before the competition, and they should be popping physically. They right. should just be ready to explode. And uh, this athlete uh, was drained on the world team trials uh, and uh, didn't, you know, became second on the world team trials. And now she's trying to get the Olympic. And so. She was brought to me, and you know the the friend of mine that referred her to me, you know, he said she's got all the skills, the power, the technique, the work ethic, 
uh, and you know those are things I I can't change remotely. So with all those things in place, what I tell people, what I'm certain of, is if you're stuck and you recognize you're stuck and you will own aspects of it, uh, I can help you get out of your own way. That's that's what I'm good at. So if you are shooting uh, 70% free throws in practice and 30% in the game and you don't own that, Right. That, that that the distance between the foul line hasn't changed. Right. Everything else around it has. <laughs> right. Um, if you don't own that and you can't give the direction that I give, um, I can't get you out of your own way. I also can't make you better than seventy percent. Right. But, but you're giving him the tools. But there's a huge space between thirty-three percent and seventy percent right. you could improve. Right. So that's our goal with her and. Her brain churns, so that's what happens three, the three days prior to competition. Uh, and then a lot of coaches will s- look at it as, well, they, that athlete doesn't want it bad enough. Well, the die is cast. Yeah. They, they've, they've burned. The brain's been running at 20 25% uh, nonstop for, for three days, and they're, they're actually drained. As well, if you're nonstop for three months, and we see this in wrestling as well, when you're stoking... Uh, the adrenaline system, you're also getting cortisol and you're getting these two emotions, power and well-being. And as you keep stoking power and well-being as a long season goes, that cortisol starts to change uh, fast twitch fibers into slow twitch. So a double leg single leg, double leg takedown at the beginning of season that you're powering through people and then you just can watch. It's just not there in March after three or four months of unremitting uh stimulation of that adrenaline fight or flight response too much so so how do you turn that off what are the words a coach can say what would he would he say to yourself what are the breathing techniques to uncouple that and and so now uh you know we can uh i she can give me access to her daily overnight numbers her uh breathing uh schedule techniques and things like that so there's actually techniques that you provide for, for actual breathing that will hap- help during the day. But there's also the recovery mechanism. I mean, this, right. the, I, be, I think this stuff becomes super fascinating because like there's also techniques in terms of like going to sleep and like things you can right. do pre-sleep so, to make the recovery better, correct? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So heart rate recovery is an established marker of health. So you're going to exercise, get your heart rate to 150, and how fast does it drop down? Does it drop down to uh, 110, or does it drop back down to 90 quickly? And, right. and, and that drop is a passive drop. You're not doing anything. You're just watching. That's a huge marker in health. Recovery, heart rate recovery. Heart rate variability is this variance of your heartbeat. So if, if your average heart rate is 60 and mine's 80 you're you're healthier than i am because you're doing the same amount of work right now as i am but at 60 beats per minute and i'm doing 80 right however if we're both at 60 and my uh, and i bounce between 58 and 72 i'm sorry 58 and 62 to average 60 and you're bouncing between 50 and 70 much greater heart rate variability right that's a huge marker of both physical and emotional health, whole health. 
whether you're talking cancer outcomes, heart disease, diabetes, uh, brain health, um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, PTSD, anxiety, depression. These, these huge studies have been done, well done studies, to show that this is the canary in the coal mine for physical or emotional health. See, that's it's fascinating to me that like we don't talk about this. Like I was the, saying to you before we started that this is something that's been studied for I mean, how long is I mean over twenty years that I've read, um, but it seems like it's just starting to get into the public realm to me. Right. So so as you said, uh, mindfulness over the last five years become more accepted. This is that uh, much of that underpinning as well, and. The thing I think I bring uniquely uh, there uh, is the combination of, of skills. I'm not the world's greatest researcher, but the <laughs> research that we do right. uh, has heft. Uh, I have 22 years of clinical experience. I, I can apply it to athletic teams. I can apply it to performance teams. And I can articulate it to the business world. I can articulate it. What I've done is look at this mountain of data and try and make sense out of it. And one of the pitfalls is people trying to make heart rate variability something it isn't. So, so in the 90s, the cardiologists were excited about it as a predictor. You know, it's the number one predictor of, of mortality after your myocardial infarction, your heart attack. So you want to make it that? Well, there are a lot of factors. So the way to think of it is it's incredibly sensitive, but it's not specific. So it's going to tell you something's wrong, but you need to have somebody who understands it to figure it out. So with the basketball team I work with, and these are actual examples, it could be a freshman who's not drinking fluids and they're dehydrated and their numbers are tanking. Or it could be someone's parents are divorcing. Or if you dig, they're actually failing calculus. So, so, so it can be physical, emotional, or both. It's just a marker. So you have to understand it. And, you know, there are a lot of pitfalls. Uh, but there's also, you know, in triathlete world, it's pretty standard now that they're checking three-minute HRVs in the morning. Now, what's good about that, if they're diligent every day, you can pick up uh, when somebody's burning out. But it's, you can change your numbers for three minutes by your thinking and your breathing. So three minutes is really a horrible data set. Right. <laughs> uh, and the, the number that, that everyone's going to want uh, is their overnight HRV, various different complicated parameters. But that's going to be the best measure, not a couple minutes in the morning. And how did they study this before? Like, I mean, what... It seems like the, the, the little monitors that, that you're using and testing different ones out is, again, like a kind of a new phenomena. I don't want to say phenomena, but no, a, a, a new thing where the data, the data is becoming easier to recognize. But how did they do right. it 10 years ago? Like, did so, they have these? So the beauty, the beauty is I don't have to tell you what HRV is going to show. These incredibly large halter monitoring, multi-channel ECG studies have been done for various decades in the medical literature. Right. Um, if you follow the medical literature, you know a lot of the performance literature is very weak on HRV. 
But if you follow the medical literature, it's really powerful. But these are expensive, huge study, thousands of patients. You know, it was first found out the Framingham study is the most famous uh, cardiology study. They followed this town in Massachusetts uh, for 50, for, you know, for the last 80 years. And they found out in the 90s, this HRV was a predictor, a, a huge predictor of, of health. Now, now we're getting data not through ECG, but through these uh, photo uh, plasmography And devices. ECG stands for... Electrocardiogram. Just, right. yeah. so, so, so the tools are getting easier to use, but there is a drop-off in quality. But it's really the digital age. If you looked at... Eight, so a lot of cardiologists looked at HRV in the 90s, yeah. but there wasn't the data crunching ability yet. Now we have data crunching ability and present it on a smartphone. <laughs> so, no, that's, that's really, uh, and most physicians, you know, don't know. If there's any, I, I, I'm almost certain that if there are any physicians out there listening to this, uh, this will come news to them, that the American Diabetic Association recommends that every new diabetic gets the HRV response to deep breathing test when they're newly diagnosed and every five years because it's the biggest predictor of long-term mortality. Is that, yet I mean that, yet okay. there's not a single physician who does this yeah. because it hasn't been given to them in a usable, non-cumbersome form. Right. And that's, that's, those are the things I'm working on. No, and that's what I was going to ask is like that idea of like, you know, when I go in for a physical can I go, can I get an HRV test done? Or is that just outside of the parameters of a family practitioner that it's, I mean, you know what I mean? Because like, it's so still, far right yeah, now. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, because it is, it is growing as a form of medicine. I mean, that sounds uh, weird way to say it, but it, it's, it's starting to gain steam in, in the importance of so, what this does. So physical medicine rehab, what it has in common with the performance world and the mindful world, it's it's pulling people in a forward direction. Unfortunately, uh, uh, medicine is very organ specific and disease oriented, and uh, preventing harm. Um, so, so we have this mindset, much like the performance world and holistic world. However, um, I'm trying to bring in the structure of medical structure, but also try and unlock those mindful and faith-based. Uh, there's some tremendous faith-based outcomes and cancer outcomes. You know, wh what's the secret to that? And I think heart rate variability is unlocking that. Wow. That's, that's way deep. I mean, that's, I mean, really, truly, like, that goes, I, I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, um, it just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, so. yeah. So heart rate variability is, is a marker of cancer outcomes any stage right that's a really broad sentence and and almost yeah he that can't be right right but <laughs> but there are plenty of meta-analysis i can direct you in the last right. and it's all coming out you know now and so it's pulling it together and what i hope is that each family practice each patient-centered medical home has uh someone who can teach heart rate variability biofeedback breathing techniques right and each physician understands heart rate variability so there'll be a performance like uh, element to the family practice that then you can access um, 
the holistic yoga centers right. or your local trainer, the, guru, or that magical HR, creative uh, practice, <laughs> or that creative practice. Absolutely. Uh, so I talk about uh, heart rate variability biofeedback is modulating that uh, biomarker real time, and that's what we're going to do with concussion and PTS, uh, active duty, and veterans. Teach them this breathing technique. And I call it the training wheels to meditation. Right. What we're actually, what it will really get some of my patients and clients to do is use the training wheels. And then you want to, they first establish it, say, in our office. We create a safe environment to be able to talk and trust and do the breathing. And they develop the skill in, in the clinic. And then they can practice it at home in a safe setting. Do you prescribe the devices to them so you can actually re I mean they're they're we're on the cusp where these devices will start getting paid for. Right. We are right now as we speak uh there are some insurance that are finally willing. I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years right. and I could convince some workers comp case managers here and there uh if you have a one of these health accounts you can sometimes buy the devices. But no, my goal is to create a usable uh, device where I can prescribe resonant breathing, 10 minutes, BID and PRN, twice a day and as needed. Here's a device, uh, and you can, you know, when you get the device, you can say, uh, I want my family doc to get it, I want my cardiologist to get it, I want my trainer uh, at the YMCA to get it. Uh, I mean, I think that the potential of this is astronomical because it's not just, I know you and I both, talk about athletics and veterans because you know we that's where the world we live in but this this could go to somebody that works anywhere absolutely and that idea of like the mental wellness and the way that the the perform like you know so we always talk about performance I can, I, I can already hear several of your audience saying <laughs> saying I've done meditation it doesn't yeah. work for me right well that's yeah, this right is, okay it, this is the this big, is the, the big moment <laughs> this is the this is the training wheels right so I, I get sent physicians who are burning out, and they're science-based, and I love science, and they're skeptical, and many of them are frustrated and angry, and we're not <laughs> going to deal with the frustration and anger just yet. Uh, you, you do this Hence breathing. the training wheels. <laughs> the, the, do the breathing 10 minutes uh, twice a day right. and come back in two weeks when yeah. you've simmered down a little bit. Right. <laughs> uh, but when you can modify, modulate that whole health biomarker real time, and you do it regularly just before you go to sleep, you're going to cue recovery. Right. So, so the cueing the hormones to grow brain, to dampen inflammation, to heal ligaments, if you weight lifted, to heal muscles, if you studied all day, to grow brain, to cue those hormones, you want the braking system engaged, your parasympathetic nervous system. This is breathing cues that, oh, oh, it's that recovery thing. Yeah. It's, it's time to do that. Let's start the machinery to dip faster, quicker, deeper into sleep. If, if you can be more efficient with your recovery, your sleep, again, you'll handle more load the next day. So, so one thing is, is, is 10 minutes uh, is the last thing you do before you you uh, of the breathing as opposed to looking at your phone like everybody <laughs> yeah. exactly <clears throat> yep. exactly 
but but getting back to my point um, with the training wheels, ultimately, uh, and you know when I give a, 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 a you know I have a patient with a nurse. We did a nurses clinic, uh, and this nurse has uh, Crohn's disease and a lot of abdominal pain, and she already, and I, I say these are training wheels. This isn't something new. Breathing experts haven't done or right. art experts haven't done. They know this. You right. guys know this. <clears throat> but she plays the piano to break free of her chronic abdominal pain. So she's modulating this autonomic body-mind connection using music. And people do it through art yep. via millennia. And, and, and that's what I'm actually trying to get, whether it's an athlete or a patient, eventually find what it is that outlet out, out there that helps you get unstuck yep. uh, and i like that phrase the unstuck so yeah and and to break free and 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 that fight or flight is trying harder so so when i was choking uh in wrestling in high school and when i was burning out as a physician i was stuck in unremitting sympathetic tone fight or flight and that is you know the terminology that that is exactly what we're all dealing with in this digital age is unremitting stimulus unremitting sympathetic tone you are always late for something there's always five things you probably should have done which includes tasks at work but maybe it's also includes uh, various polite things you should have, you know, everybody expects you to be at, you know, a birthday party, you know, uh, two hours away. And also, you know, someone else wants you to do this. And, and so it, we're all dealing and kids, this generation is different. Again, like I said, they're, they're doing more than we did as an athlete in the eight that I did in the eighties, uh, physically, but they're not turning off. You couldn't yeah. come. You you couldn't call my house at ten o'clock at night. Right. You couldn't show up at the door right. at my house. So our brains were turning off. My daughter, in high school, studying eleven eleven thirty at night in the middle of the week. She should be making the decision to put down the books. It is what it is. Grow the brain right. that night. Not keep going. That's the decision you're supposed to be wrestling with. No. Incoming text bomb. Yeah. Susie says, Joey just broke up with Susie. Please be a good friend. Talk me through this. Right. And now my daughter's has not this, only studying, but now talking through has a this dilemma of what, a, what it means to be a good friend. Right. And it takes an incredibly mature person to say something to the effect, uh, I care about you. I can't do this right now. Yep. Uh, I need to recover, sleep for my test tomorrow. I promise I'll be there for you after school tomorrow or something to that effect. We're not, you know, trying to teach that at that moment. Um, yeah. you know, uh, you know, that's where we hope that's to get hard to. hard because you're trying to fit right. in. You're try- yeah. Right. So, so when we're dealing, say, uh, with a wrestling team, the creative thing that I want to do is is that the coach is getting your overnight H- HRVs and try and simplify it. And now you're going to start getting P- 
people in groups to compete on recovery scores. So, you know, Kyle is uh, killing it in practice and in competition, and his recovery numbers are through the roof. And Johnny, Johnny's numbers stink, and he fatigues in practice, uh, and he's more susceptible. Well, one of them, uh, as a college student, is protecting his, uh, you know, his, his midday nap. You know, what, what college student protects his midday nap, turns his phone off, so on and so forth. The other, the other one is playing video games, combat video games at 11 o'clock at night. The brain doesn't know that this threat, uh, when somebody reaches into somebody's gut, uh, reaches upward and grabs their heart, pulls it out of their body, and stomps on it, and then throws a bomb... <laughs> Uh, doing that before bed is going to not let you dip into recovery. And then what happens, those two levers, the gas and the brake, they get stuck. Right. And they stop being oiled, and you're on all the time. And then that cortisol you're getting all the time turns your fast twitch to slow twitch. Your brain doesn't heal as well. And I am convinced um, you'll see these teams that have... Um, off outlier number of injuries that that they're being driven too hard, and right. that because there's this correlation between HRV and inflammation, and not healing. So when you see these coaches that succeed for several years, and this is exactly what happened with the basketball coach that I work with. Um, trying harder works and then at a certain point now you're having injuries and retention rates and i started working with them five years ago and um we achieved certain goals one of the one of the things i'm proud of um i mean they've gone to two final fours sweet 16 he's national coach of the year fantastic um but in the last uh four or five seasons they haven't lost two games in a row wow so i can't teach Wrestler, I can't teach you anything about basketball skills, and we laugh about right. that, that, that I'm part of this basketball staff. Uh, but but um, he knows what to say, how to promote recovery, how to, uh, you know, you call somebody weak, and we can call them kitten, we can call them all kinds right. of stuff. Uh, they'll, they'll be very powerful that night and the next day and give you a good practice. And then it's like a roller coaster, but you you never, but if he uncouples that and says, we didn't meet our standards today, it's very honest. This model I use, it's very, you can say to them, this was an unacceptable performance. This is not our standard, but put your phones down tonight. Just get your studies done. Don't worry about it. We got this. We've been here before. Uh, You need, your job is to recover. I assure you, Tomorrow at 2 o'clock, when you step on the court or on the wrestling mat, I assure you, we're going to meet our standards. Yep. But until then, your job is not to worry about that. Do, do what you're supposed Which to do. Which is a hard thing. I mean, we both know that as former and athletes. That's yeah. what you need the coach yep. to help make it okay to break free and do some, do the artistic thing. Not the, not the combat video game, right. but maybe the painting. Yep. Uh, and, and there's, you know, there's this, this study I love, 
you know, the Nordic countries really get this. Uh, they, they, they put heart monitors uh, on choir singers. And when you convert uh, into this uh, resonance where your diaphragm and your heart are in sync, the most efficient state. So that's active recovery. You're going to lower your heart rate even further doing this breathing. You're going to become more efficient. You're going to reduce your arousal. Well, you get this sinusoidal rhythm, and the whole choir with a particular type of music can get in the exact same sinusoidal rhythm. So you can make an argument that choir singing. So in my clinic, anybody here want to want to hear about right and wrong? No, you're, no. I'm a health expert. You come to me about health. I can make an argument that choir singing singing is healthy. That you can't you can you can flip the conversation. You know, if I'm measuring a 15 year old and he's socially isolated, and he's aggressive, and he listens to heavy metal nonstop. If you, you might listen to uh, heavy metal, you're able to Oh, I do. <laughs> you do, but you also maintain employment for years at a time, your yeah. relationships are stable and so forth. So no problem. But if you're 15, socially isolated, angry, and non-stop heavy metal. What I can say is, not right and wrong. It's unhealthy. Right. And that's that's the high ground that I take. It's unhealthy. You, we need to change your health markers. We need to help you break free, get unstuck, and then decide to be healthy. Once you're healthy, you can back to a modicum <laughs> of 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 heavy metal music. wanted to quickly remind everyone to check out our Abstract Athlete Training Journal. And it is available on our web shop and on Amazon. Thank you again for listening. And now back to Dr. Ron Garbo. You said something earlier that I think is fascinating. And I think it becomes one of those questions. Because I've often said... In my class, particularly with, with the baseball guys, I say this, but it, it can go to any sport. It's, I always say like if a pitcher gets done pitching and they come into the dugout, you know, the, the, the traditional way is, is that you look at the charts, you go blah, blah, blah. But what if you came in and just sketched for that, for that between anything? So like for me, is like when you talk about the choral singing, it's like I can imagine a basketball team or a wrestling team or like as a team before the meet or the match or whatever, or the game, like doing choral uh, exercises before the game. And like how beneficial does that become? Like, I, you know, again, one of, one of these things I did with us, my students is I ask the athletes to do something creative before they have a game or practice. And I ask the artists to do something physical before they go to the studio, kind of, you know, vice versa. But I remember one of my students saying he, he played basketball and he was listening to the raindrop or a shower or something like that. And, and he writes poetry. And so he started writing like poetry to the rhythm of the raindrop. And he said the next game he played, he noticed he was way more calm. And like that to me is, that's, I mean, I know it's not data data, but it's data. 
and and like that with the choral exercises like i can imagine teams doing that before games absolutely knowledge is king though um just imagine um if you're a wrestler and you have five matches in one day or you're a football player uh and you're having breaks between plays or pitchers between innings and you're feeling it you're in the zone you're amped up but you're calm um People are afraid to mess with the zone. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you have you have to have confidence to know what you're doing. And so part of the training that we do is one one of the things that's mandatory is that you learn the skill. That that you know how to use this breathing technique to apply the braking system. When you repeatedly apply the braking system, it starts oiling those two levers and they can now move. Now, you have to understand enough, so a lot of it is education. You have to understand these two levers, which will give you eventually the, the confidence uh, to, to uh, 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 save a recovery, to, to grab that nap between two wrestling matches or, or, or lower your arousal between innings and not be afraid that you can't get back there. Right. Um, so when you're in the zone and you're and the zone is an amped up state, but it's a calm amped up state. It's still amped up. It's still very powerful. It's still a lot of energy. So can you maintain that through a three and a half hour football game? Can you maintain that? You know, you know, you 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 have to have the confidence in their difficult decisions to make and a perfect example is roger federer Mm -hmm. roger you know they make money the more times they throw roger federer out at every tournament he's recognized at his age that he can maintain his top level performance just as he always has but vastly less tournaments per year right so you have to say no to money you have to say no to pressure of people expecting you to go to tournaments. And if you can't say no to those things, if you don't understand those things, and you don't have the confidence um, to value recovery. But that's exactly what he did he, to, to, to maintain. Because I'm sure he recognized there were times he went into tournaments and had well, I think, I mean, part. And so, so between, between innings and between you eventually, even if you're in the zone, grab that moment to try and recover um i just had a great wrestling match i got another one in an hour or two it's okay to go take a nap right i'll, I'll be ready when the time comes i'm sorry go ahead no i was uh, i did t- probably just totally forgot what i was going to say actually <laughs> so, no, it, so so it's confidence yeah. on 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 dealing with those two levers right um and you know one of the interesting things you know when you think you found something it still sometimes becomes unpredictable you know, when you start, first go to your meditation class or you start, if there's music that helps you, there are three basic outcomes. One is it didn't work and right. you're still the same gritty mess that you were going into it. That happens sometimes. Other times you're euphoric and that's the zone. And sometimes you're more peaceful and you actually take it, have a great night's sleep. Right. And... And finding that 
methodology and the predictability, and you can't always manage it, but if you understand it, um, you can modulate. So there's still a tremendous amount of things that we can learn. A perfect example is Michael Schumacher. He just took over the Formula One racing world. 100%. Took it over. And did he have a faster car? Do you, do you know how, how he took it over? Left foot braking. So he took a rally sport technique of using the left foot to brake. Right. We drive with one foot. Keep it simple, right? One foot on the gas and move it over to the brake. But we have high-performance vehicles for our bodies. And this is one of the, the most basic mis, mis uh characterization of the mind body the yin and yang uh, that isn't articulated clearly it's not binary it's not one or the other it's not linear it's not 80 percent one and 20 percent the other uh like a teeter-totter um uh, you know one of the things the performance world is looking at is for autonomic balance wrong Right. They call it controversial. It's not controversial anymore for you performance people out there. It's just wrong. It's two independent levers and understanding those two levers. And heart rate variability is not a measure of balance. It is a measure of the health of the braking system. And it is a measure of, and heart rate variability by a feedback is, 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 is applying the brake. So if your foot's on the gas, all right, so Michael Schumacher's going into a curve. His opponent takes his foot off the gas and then puts it on the brake. There's a delay. What he can do is start applying the brake, get some control while maintaining a fair amount of gas still, and then halfway through the turn, he can take the brake off and, and put the full gas. So the transition is more controlled, more powerful, and as he comes out of the turns, he has more speed using the two levers, two independent levers, and that's the key. So one of the papers we wrote was left foot breaking the autonomic nervous system. That's what you're doing when you're doing the breathing. So when you're stuck, I got to win, or my coach will call me a loser, and my parents will think I'm weak. Foot's on the gas. When everybody gets burned out, they want, they remember that zone performance. And almost always, the first thing I have to do with someone who's burning out and they have this vision of them performing in the zone is I got to get them to value recovery. Isn't it though? The, I mean, obviously, the zone is like such a, such a sports athletic word. And, I mean, I think, I mean, I guess maybe it's not, maybe it's, but I think about no, it. No, it is. Yeah. But I mean, and, and so is flow. Yep. Which but flow, flow thing, flow goes into creativity. And that, the irony is, is like, it's technically the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. and, but we think of them on different ends of the pendulum. And it's like, if if you can get like an, a high powered athlete to understand that the zone and the flow are the same thing. But, but using it in, like, okay, here, football player, like, why don't you go and draw for 20 minutes every day or do the breathing techniques, you know, or, or do a choral, like, 
uh, singing to to get your breathing in in the right space. If they under, I mean, it's almost like it, I don't want to say you're tricking them, but like using that that way of the, to understand that this is the same thing. This is actually going to benefit your performance. Right. So 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 again, so the zone or flow is an aroused but calm state. Right. Recovery. So that's gas and brake at the same time. That is Michael Schumacher screeching through a turn. That's the zone, okay? The straightaway, all gas, no brake. That's where people are stuck in the straightaway, all gas, no brake. We're going to do the breathing. Right. Start learning how to apply the brake again. Okay. All right. But that, so, and, and so this, is, this now gets into psychology. Um, I have a very strong opinion that I can support. Cognitive behavioral therapy has been very important and helped a lot of people, but there is a limit to its value. It can be exhausting. Right. So if you have PTSD and you're constantly going to go back and talk about that, that's exhausting. Um, And you're supposed to get a little less scared each time you talk about it. Well, there are other things that we can do. Anyway, uh, the point is, is there's two things in our model. One, you have to learn how to apply the brake, but to get recovery, to stick that car in the garage, <laughs> no matter how good your brake is, the gas has to come off. Right. The car has to uh, be turned off. And so that's the next thing you have to learn. And letting go, letting go, yep. touch on mindfulness a little bit, letting go of sympathetic tone so we know when you're startled the first thing you do is lose the braking and then the gas goes on well you have to start letting go and the letting go can be well you know that ball's going to bounce three times on the rim if it goes in or out does that affect my identity or not it affects the outcome and you do or don't have control of that, well, at some point when it's bouncing on the rim, you don't. Um, and whether it goes in or not, you have to have made the decision that it, it's not going to affect, that, that losing the game does not make you a loser, basically. Right. So, so you will do the breathing, and you'll have to tell yourself this when you're clear-headed, that you know, you're going to let go that losing a game doesn't mean you're a loser, something like that. So you have to learn how to let go. So, so the way to think of what you were saying, the pit stop, okay? We've talked about the straightaway, the right. curve, and the garage. The garage is sleep. The car's at rest. The driver's at rest. A pit stop, we've got to think of sleep not as the garage. Sleep is the pit stop. Right. There's a lot going on. The driver is the conscious mind. He's taking a break, okay, a little bit. The pit workers are working like mad to what? To retool the wheels, to fill up the gas tank. That is what's going on at sleep. So sleep is an active process. The more you create that active process, or the more dormant that active process is. So think of the garage where nothing's going on. You're not getting better. You're not building. You're not. That's hibernation. That's really not a physiologic option for us. 
but that's what the garage is. Recovery is the pit stop. The brain, the driver, gets to take a little bit of a break, but the, um, the, you need healthy pit workers. How do you get healthy pit workers? You feed them right. <laughs> right. Right? Yep. You, you practice. You train them. You learn, practice the breathing techniques. So, so once you start understanding, you can start figuring out, you know, when people say a certain thing that triggers you, you recognize, oh, that just triggered my gas pedal. Well, no, and I was just thinking, I remembered what I was going to ask you earlier. It's like thinking about Roger Federer and how old is he now? Like 30 something. And he's still at the top of his game. And that's like kind of unheard of. And, you know, and then you start thinking about like these other athletes, like LeBron James, who is still at in his 17th year as a physical marvel. And it's, it does go back to, I mean, they are obviously healthier in terms of like how they take care of their bodies compared to, you know, 20 years ago, but are they doing these techniques? And, and I, that's, you know, I think it'd be, or if they're not, like, can you imagine if they were like how that actually helps in the recovery process even more? So, so, uh, that, that's, that's a great controversy to watch and you can, you can listen to people's tweets and what's going on out there. Cause they'll, you know, he's gotten, uh, LeBron has been, uh, you know, advocated for, in, I call intentional recovery. I mean, and, you know, usually you have some curmudgeon that says, uh, well, we did a, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 70 games went yeah, back yeah, in the 80s. Yeah. Again, uh, how many ever games they have now is not the same. No. They're, they're and the not, athletes are better. I mean, oh, right, right. So you can't say they're weaker. Yeah. They're doing so much more, but well, because this that, that sorry to interrupt with that they're, like just this week there was such a big controversy about Kawhi Leonard and what the you know the new f- phrase that's being thrown around is this load management idea that you know yes. so Le- Kawhi Leonard is not going to play back to backs at all this year you know he's probably going to end up playing sixty two games out of the eighty two but by the time they get to the playoffs he's going to be fresher than anybody else and maybe. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like that—that's right. So, so if so, whether you load management, that that's based on the The assumption. No, it's based on the assumption that this person recovers well. Right. So if if you don't recover well, it won't matter whether it's 62 or 42. Uh, If you get a concussion. It impairs recovery. And so this thing about concussions, who, who gets mild traumatic brain injuries and a certain percentage get this syndrome? Well, it's this mind-body connection that doesn't allow them to heal as well, react as well, and more propensity to depression. But back to load management, you, you, you know, with, again, digital age, um, uh, the, the, uh, the expectations of the modern athlete to do just as many games as they did 40 years ago when you've added 50 other additional things you know their contracts include social engagement yeah. and and this and that and um so so it's 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 unfair to say well well we used to do it um things have ch- things are have literally changed the the smartphone if you know your history is 
as big as the printing press. It changed the planet. Yeah. Uh, but the smartphone, the printing press didn't change health. The smartphone is changing health in a good way, but it's also driving people harder. So, you know, the NBA Players Association won't allow overnight HRVs to be oh, assessed. They won't. No, they won't. Wow. Because they don't want them tracking tracking uh, uh can they do what it in off season i mean they, they could they, they do it independently they they don't you know some of their athletes may not be recovering at night it's right. possible so you know that could be something you negotiate in your load management contract wow. um okay well maybe you know it's based on some numbers or maybe do any or maybe maybe it's your responsibility to learn this breathing technique and maybe you know what i'll do is i'll expect people to do this breathing you know 10 minutes twice a day so so they come back for an office visit you know whip out your phone let's see if you practice you can't fake it um and and so they're doing their part and you're not asking a whole lot you're asking somebody focused breathing do you're already breathing do any leagues allow it or is it? Are all of them um, against it? I so mean, that's pretty. That's pretty unreal to me that that's actually being blocked. Basically, yeah, correct. Yeah, wow, that's because yeah. because it's data. Data is yeah. power. Um, I mean, just imagine. I mean, that's also a key data point in these combines. Wouldn't you rather take the the athlete that has whole health biomarker higher levels than the other one? Oh, sure. And would you want the one that already is uh, dipping and recovering better than the other? Yeah, you want those numbers. So I, I think the breathing technique, you know, is going to be part of every school and every employer within the next 10, 15 years. Right, we, that, we think that with the creative thing, which is basically, again, like it's the same. So, so, we're, we're so hitting, this hitting is the same why I'm excited to work with you as we yeah. move forward. Because what I want to do, you know, adopt whether it's with this basketball team, um, you know, when I work with when I work with uh, the wind ensemble, you know, talking about shifting emotion with your breathing, you know, that's to artists. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's whatever. great, uh-huh, yeah. right? <laughs> but if I talk about that, that as you approach the big event, you really should start picking up your walking program and exercise because the biggest modifier of HRV, the biggest is exercise, a strong diaphragm. We know athletes and fit people are the most resilient. Doesn't mean they're most adaptable. So artists are probably more adaptable. Doesn't mean they're most resilient. Right. So I so this this if you want to be a sustainable perfor- performer and handle stress over long periods of time, get fit. Yep. Learn your craft, learn how to modulate your emotions. So when I talk to you know the 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 performance world talking about shifting no big deal, exercise is a little bit of a well that's harder why we, sell. Yeah, we but always say we always say exercise the body, exercise the mind. And and yeah. but 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 with athletes, you know the two things with them is it's a no brainer exercise. The two the two difficult things is when to turn it off. Right. And now I have three days of you know this is where you were at preseason. I have three nights now of really bad numbers and your practice or your game performance has dropped. We got to do something. That's 
an easy way to convince. And then the other one is shifting emotion with breathing. It's coming a little bit easier. Right. But this conversation five, six years ago. Oh, sure. Oh, think bef- about it before, 20 years before, ago. <laughs> before mindfulness has, has been adopted. So, you know, um, but, you know, we incorporated, uh, uh, helped incorporate the breathing techniques in the high State Wrestling Team and the, and the uh, CNU basketball team. And see, that's what I always, I, I always think about um, how everything is changing in terms of people's perceptions of this, um, the creative aspect and the um, and the breathing. At you know, like again, like taking it into like this testosterone locker room. 20 years ago, you couldn't do it. I mean, you had random people. Like, I, we always think about Rosie Greer, who, you know, knits and macro. You know, like, that's... For him to do that in the 70s was crazy yeah. to me. Because, like, how... Big, huge guy, you know. And I, I love it. Lynn Swan used to take ballet lessons to, like, help his performance different ways. To get unstuck. Exactly. And yep. that, that idea... And that's going in, again, to that space where... If they, it, and I don't, I'm going to say this in the wrong way, but they have to buy into it because, but there's like data that it's actually works. Right. And, and it's like, and again, like if you, if you're working with, you know, you're working with multiple colleges and those schools are performing at high levels and that, that's like proof. Uh, yeah. I mean, I won't work with an organization or a team if the top leader, uh, isn't going to make it okay right. to mentally break free. I thought in high school that if I thought wrestling all the time, that I was trying harder. Of course. There's that inherent. Yep. You mean if I, if I actually do artwork that doesn't get me a grade, that doesn't, isn't, there isn't this yep. outcome, uh, immediate outcome that, that I should be focused in on you know, improving my wrestling technique. It, it requires the leader of the organization, the business, to make it okay. And, and you know, we're even going to have health insurers or employers who are going to end up paying for, you know, there's already some that are tinkering with the idea of paying for sleep. Again, <laughs> how are you going to measure that? Well, well, that's the thing. If they just talk about it, they're not doing it. Well, you know, in to, in uh, you know, to uh, not be too critical. To, you know, give me give me something, give me something I can pay for. Don't right. don't don't ask me just to open up my wallet and pay for something. Well, that's exactly what I'm working on. Right. Is uh, we can demand that you learn this breathing skill. We can ask you to do it regularly. We can uh, ask you how you're going to generalize the skill. When you gonna work, when you eventually work off the training wheels, what's your outlet to help you do that? Those those can be legitimate. Can we track overnight HRV? It depends. I think it has to be incentive based. Right. So you know, I'm making stuff up now. So <laughs> so so if you're Kawhi, uh, yeah, we'll buy this. Just you right. let us track your overnight numbers, and as long as you're doing your part, not going out and partying and doing your breathing techniques. Um, there may be, you know, an incentive package that, that you're doing everything you can to stay healthy. Right. I, I, you know, 
performance, you know, performance and medical care, tricky thing, you know, on, on, you know, on one aspect, because I'm a physician, your heart rate and heart rate variabilities is health data. Right. And so there are all kinds of laws that, that, that prevent me from talking about that. But a performance coach, they can get this whole health biomarker. They can get it with a crappy tool and they can use crappy concepts and they can tell anybody they want right. just about. Um, and, and so this world of performance and health are going to come together. And I actually, um, I don't think physicians need to be the appliers, but they're going to need to learn it. And they're going to have to make the a lot of uh, end decisions on how it's, how it's used. Um, and right now, uh, uh, the, the physician, but you are seeing in the functional health world, the integrative health world, starting to adopt and understand performance models and mindful models and things like that. But you practice what you preach. I mean, you, like, again, you going back to the, the, the bands and the rings and different things like you, you actually do the techniques yourself. Do you ever, I mean, have you ever like gone into a creative mode, like where you painted every day for like, you know, six months or whatever, or did something like in that? And, you know, like, I mean, I, and again, I'm kind of thinking back about like, do you wish, I mean, this is a hindsight question, but do you wish you like, had this knowledge when you were like an athlete? I mean, like, it's funny to me to think about these things because I wish like, I mean, even though I was creative growing up, like I never like thought the two overlapped. And it just well, does. That's what you're going to help me with. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm I help you I, teach I, you to paint. <laughs> something because uh, I never allocated any time for the arts. Uh, mm. I love science. Yep. If uh, if I have spare time, if you give me a medical journal article on anything but HRV, it's a chore right. at this point. If you give it to me on HRV, I love it. Yeah. If if it's art, uh, in the past it's been. A distraction from the things I love. So, so that's not where I'm at. But yeah. that is the next step for me and my clients yeah. uh, to understand more. And you know, I've learned from working from the Wind Ensemble. We published that culture shift. This professor came to me, and after what did, ten, you, what did you do that through? Was that through uh, CNU as well? CNU Wind okay. Ensemble. Yeah, that professor had yeah. always had great, great evaluations for twenty some years, and suddenly is his evaluations were starting to dip. And he says, you know, you know, and, and, and that was a great experience trying to go from basketball players to right, right. wind ensemble. So, but he was so excited. Uh, he was able to, you know, they had their best. He said, what he said, he said, he's had great individual performance, but their spring performance after we worked with them, uh, this was the best comprehensive performance they had done in his career so that was Whoa. very satisfying right. that that everybody um on the different parts was working uh in unison and and, and they were they were um they were in sync they were in the zone um but yeah so i mean I, i'm pulling up on my phone i can i can look at my hrv compared to men my age right. versus thousands and i can watch the trends um Oh, so it does like it actually goes to a database 
that you can actually, I mean, yes. without, without names, it's just like yeah. person yeah. Right. one, person right. two. Right. And I have to give up my data. So right. somebody has my data. Right. Um, now, uh, you know, life insurance policies and health insurance policies are going to eventually want these things and do stuff right. with them. So, so owning your own data is going to be important uh, and how it's uh, cleaned before it's, it's given away. But the point is, is I can, I can, um, going into a week and know, I can get a sense of how I, I feel, but right. people ignore how they feel all the time, then go back out, maybe drink alcohol and, 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 and say yes to too many things. But if I got three nights in a row where my numbers are stinky, I say no to a lot of things that weekend. Right. And, and, and it, I am purposeful. Because I know, I know what a bad week looks like starting off in a bad place. Can, so how? That's an interesting kind of question there to me. To think about the the long sustain a bit, like the understanding of how you can control your variability. But like, let's say you go out and party one night. Do you need like three days to recover? You know, like the, I mean, do you because if you if you practice more. Is it easier to get back into that space? Does that make sense? Like that, I you know what I mean. That idea is like, you know, the theory is like if you work out more, the bigger and stronger you're gonna get. Is it, you know, riding the bike kind of idea? Absolutely. It's like okay, I'm doing these techniques, but one night I want to go out and just get blasted drunk, and and then like you get back on it immediately. It's it's easy just to kind of get back into that. Well, maybe let's not talk about getting blotto, <laughs> uh, but but let's talk about being a surgeon, maybe. Right. Okay, you're right. gonna you're gonna be up all night. Yep. Uh, you know the the neurosurgeons I work with in my office are fantastic. They're in people's brains in the middle of the night. You know, yep. we show up to the office and they've already been up all night evacuating blood out of people's brains. Right. What do you think that's doing to your HRV? Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. So 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 physicians are the ultimate uh, cognitive performers, and. This is going to be a huge tool because a lot of physicians resist the whole mindfulness thing. They're, they're not open to it. I was open to it and, and found meditation and then found HRV. Right. It's going to be the other way around for physician burnout. It's going to be HRV right. to mindful and creativity. Right. Um, but, but let's, let's, so let's track your HRV over days and weeks and you trash it that night expectedly you're on call every fourth night um we know you know alcohol impairs recovery you know when one of the coaches wanted to eliminate alcohol and make it part of a team policy and they wanted to do it on 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 religious rationale i said why don't we just keep it performance-based it's simple there's plenty of data to show that hrv impairs recovery no one's making you be on this team you're at you're you're voluntarily joining this team and this team wants to be able to compete at the highest levels on the planet and to do that performance. So they adopt an alcohol policy. In this situation with the surgeon, if, if, if they're making bad choices nights two and three, and then they go into call, that's unsustainable long term. The bodies have an amazing ability to recover. Right. Um, but they can't. You can't abuse it nonstop, but it has an amazing ability. And so there's a couple of things. 
Um, you have to learn the breathing skill. You have to value recovery. And that requires the tools and the education to get you to value it the next second and third night. What are your choices then? No one's making you be a surgeon. Right. Okay? You typically get paid well. <laughs> incredibly difficult. Incredibly important. Incredibly important that you're in the top of your game. Um, so your choices the next three nights before you're on call are important. But there was no governor on that before. We're gonna have a, we're gonna have data, right. and you're gonna correlate. I feel like hell. Yeah. <laughs> well, my numbers like they, they match up, uh, and I know what I feel like when I'm rested. It feels great. So so awareness is I think one of the questions you had. It's about gaining awareness and skills and knowledge. So my definition of in, in intentional recovery is. Uh, valuing, understanding, and measuring recovery. It makes you purposeful uh, to recover deeper. That allows you to figure out how much load you can sustain the next day or the next week or the next month. So, so it's we're saying much of the same thing when we talk about load management, but, but. I just love that it's a buzzword now. Yeah. Right. But what I would say is you're focused on, you're kind of focused on the wrong thing. There are tons and tons of load experts. What I am is a recovery expert. You understand recovery. There's plenty of templates on building power, acceleration, endurance, We've studied that out the wazoo. Right. The low-hanging fruit of what we're studying now is steeper, deeper, faster recovery. The choices you have to make mentally and the skills. Well, and again, for me, it's like this idea that for like a high-level a high level athlete, for instance, you know, they get massages, they get, you know, like either acupuncture, whatever, like whatever they're choice of recovery but they they do that to their bodies but not their minds and i always find that to be a fascinating relationship to how we are as humans we we want to we want to let the body recover but not the mind and they're attached <laughs> it's like right. that idea like and i think that that's what the hrv thing to me like feels it is that kind of alignment um, or do you want to say balance? I don't, like you don't like the word balance, right? I don't. <laughs> but that don't. that like that kind of understanding you, of you can call it homeostasis or set okay. point. Yeah, your set point. Get right. back to your set point. Right. And it's like because again, like thinking about getting massages, that's getting the body back to the set point, but not necessarily the mind. And th and that connectedness of those two is where the performance actually goes up. So, yeah, so, so let's look at the different tools. And this is how we're going to measure the tools. Uh, let's look at float tanks. They're fantastic. Right. Okay. Well, a couple dozen thousands of dollars for those float tanks. Can you stick them in your pocket and take them with you? <laughs> Are they active? Do they teach you any skills? So, so yes, when the wrestling team uh, goes on an incredibly hard tournament, 
uh, out west, three, two, three, two time zones away, and then they're going to come back and have a, a difficult dual meet the next weekend uh, against a difficult team. It's you know, wrestling, you know, four or five matches in two days is incredibly grueling on the body. That, that becomes one of the few times the season said, you know what, the football team has all the float tanks, but that's when you want the float tank to recover after that tournament to be better. And absolutely, it's going to show your HRV increases dramatically. Okay, well, now you've left college, and now you have a job interview, and you're completely paralyzed, and you can't think straight. I love that float tank. Right. Can you get that float tank? Is that doing you any good? Right. Well, how about on a team? If that strength coach who's there to increase your load and scream at you, okay, let's say you can do 10 pull-ups. We'll just use easy numbers. We know that with emotion, we can get you to 12 or 15. We get you to 12 or 15 enough times, you can now do... 12 or 15 without emotion. Let's go for 16 with emotion, okay? Again, when you're in practice, charging, load, that's fine. Have at it. But you have to know how to stop. So within, within practices, there can be periods of time of intentional recovery. So between sets, how quickly can you reduce your heart rate to recover for the next set? Or you're going to wrestle seven matches in a in a practice or five matches in a practice recover in between so you'll be better for that fourth and fifth match so when we go to the national tournament that's three days of grueling matches you see people deteriorate over three days of of brawling um what you're trying to intentionally recover between each each match so so suddenly you know you got a strength coach screaming at you doing pull-ups but then he's also taught you breathing techniques between sets okay active recovery active skills we've measured the ability how good are you at it johnny you're not near as good as kyle okay let's work on kyle's uh, johnny's choices and skills now now johnny goes out in the real world and he has a job interview he doesn't need the float tank (laughs) he can do the breathing Right. Or if you went even further, a little pen and paper. Yep. Yeah. A little pen and paper with breathing, coupled with breathing. It's so easy. And you so, can put that in your pocket. <laughs> you can take that with yep. you. Yep. Hey everyone, don't forget to send us questions to our Ask the Doc segment, info at theabstractathlete.com. Thank you again for listening, and now back to Dr. Ron Garbo. This is like an off-the-wall question, but do you think that you brought anything from your athletic background to the way that you practice your like absolutely yeah and what, what what would that be like one of the most the, the the pivotal moment when i get the skeptical physician yeah or i get the patient that says 
hey, just give me the, you know, that HRV mumbo jumbo yeah. breathing. I tried that, blah, blah, blah. Just, just give me the prescription for the Vicodin. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, uh, I don't, I know from my athletics and my wrestling background that it requires discipline, hard work with the basics. So one of the best wrestlers ever in the United States was John Smith, two-time gold medalist. John Smith hit a single leg. Could hit a single leg takedown on everybody on the planet. What's the first move you learn in wrestling? Single leg takedown. <laughs> okay. So, so, so what, what's the deal here? Well, his technique, his, his craftsmanship, but also his discipline and his strength and so on and so forth, allows him to hit that move on everybody on the planet over a protracted period of time. So for me, what I don't give ground on is learning this. The, the first step is, 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 is a habit of the skill of applying the brake on a regular basis. That opens the door. If, 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 if you won't, it doesn't solve all your problems, okay? No. I had a difficult job. You know, you got diagnosed with cancer. You still need the chemo. But if you want to self-regulate and break free of being unstuck, I believe the first step, the first objective step, is a regular habit. Practice. And now I can measure your skill level. Not just say, go breathe, go to meditation class. And some people get it. Some people don't. Okay, well, let's back up. Let's use some training wheels. And let's remember what you're going to do is you're going to do some artwork with your grandchild. Yep. It's hard to break free. You know, when you get, when I sit with a patient with cancer, half dozen fears, just hard to go away. Fear of death, fear of future pain, fear of future loss of dignity, fear of future uh, uh, financial destitution, fear of leaving people uh, with loose ends. Um, and you're asking them to be grateful. Right. And I don't have cancer. How could I possibly know what that's like? But what I can say, and you can shift with feeling gratitude, your HRV. If you are able to break free of those five, five fears, let go, that's the gas pedal, letting go of the gas pedal. How are you going to do that? You're going to do the breathing. You're going to apply the brake, practice that. Try and feel gratitude instead of those five future fears. I'm grateful to be able to sketch with my granddaughter today. Right. <clears throat> and there's plenty of verses and songs and poems that can help you with that. This is not new. But what I can say as a health expert, for that moment, it's healthy. It might even, a habit of being grateful for little things, like being with your grandchild and drawing with them, that that could cue your mind-body connection, your autonomic nervous system, and incrementally improve your surveillance. You still need the chemo. You still need... uh, you know, the chemo, but this may be where you can improve your surveillance system, and that's where the survivability comes in. So 
it's trying to get to that. And they may and may not be able to get to that. But, but that's one of the things when, if, if I'm dealing with chronic pain related to cancer. Those are obvious fears they have. Other people sure. have other fears. That, so that's fear of future stuff. You know, 40% of women who have chronic pain usually have some sort of childhood drama, trauma. That's usually that fight or flight response was stoked as a child when their brain was growing. Right. So they have nonstop fear of being threatened. So, so, you know, again, this business of getting in the now. So someone with, with childhood trauma, PTSD, has unremitting, unremitting uh, uh, gas pedal stuck from past events. Someone newly diagnosed with cancer has future. Use the breathing to get into now. The healthiest thing I could do maybe now is do the breathing and maybe go for a walk or get a pen and paper out. Or, But really, I need to break free. And then I can make some decisions. But making decisions uh, when you're wrapped in the fight-or-flight response is difficult. Absolutely. God, I don't know. There's like, I just keep thinking about this this idea of the exercising the body, exercising the mind scenario. Um, and that, again, like, I just want it to be clear that, that while we both talk about veterans and we talk about athletes and stuff, like, this, this should be done by everybody. Like, this idea of exercising the body to, like, you know, like, for, for where you're in, you know, like, obviously being in shape in the diaphragm and, like, being healthy as a body, um, exercise is imperative. Um, but also eating well, you know, I know we touched on a little bit of, of that, but like then the exercising of the mind and, and how that again, puts it all kind of together. It's like a puzzle almost yeah. in this idea of, of, you know, we're, we're, we're on the cusp of, uh, unlocking and, 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 you know, everybody's suffering with unremitting fight or flight response uh, and deteriorating the health of their braking system. And we can measure the health of your braking system. That's the first clue. It's like, oh, well, what can I do? Well, you know, gets back to eating right, right, sleeping right, <laughs> exercising right, right. Um, and those are more powerful. Uh, and it's funny because these things we've done these things forever. It's not like yoga or meditation are new. <laughs> um, it's not like painting is new. It's not like the idea of understanding breathing is new. But right. it's like how to apply them. Yeah, yeah. And but but we're we're what you know. There's a lot of skeptics out there about sure. the medical wearable age. But what's going to happen? Okay. Some of the skepticism is appropriate because there's a lot of junk tools and there's yeah. a lot of junk science and weeding through it is, is, is imperative. And that's, you know, when I'm starting to work with someone, what I can mostly save them from is going down rabbit holes. Right. I've been down them all. <laughs> so, so it's about, but what the wearable age will do, it'll put a governor on, on shortcuts. Well, I do this, you know, I always heard, you know, in college, I would hear somebody like, oh, yeah, I was fine. Uh, I drink, 
a drink and then they'd go practice and you know alcohol was actually part of some team's culture um well you could do that then maybe (laughs) and maybe you could do that and compete okay or well even because you have exceedingly good genes but you can't do it for a protracted period for long periods of time right um and so there's going to be a governor on on behavioral choices shortcuts shortcut well the body can handle shortcuts for short periods of time absolutely you can break a lot of rules short term um you know uh, uh i'm sure the world's greatest athletes could could eat nothing but twinkies for three weeks and <laughs> and and do fantastic no doubt in my mind um but <laughs> I just realized we should start our own podcast called Between Two Rons. And never mind. So sorry, I was totally off the subject. So um, I don't know. I like I. Th- I think that there's going to be more to talk about. Like I'm. I'm well, one of the things I talked about with Doctor uh, Sifu is is I we're planning on doing like shorter burst podcast maybe calling like house call where we bring doctors on and we have people like asking us questions so we can actually ask the doctors like certain things so i know that we're going to bring you back on um this is my wrapping it up segment by the way if you unless you have other things because this can go on forever like i'm like to me it just it's you know i keep using the word fascinating but it is fascinating but yet it's so obvious but we don't want to do it like you know as humans and we want like you just said the viking thing we want to take the pill that magic pill that's going to save us but yet these things that we could do that are breathing drawing painting that are and are and 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 float tanks is a nice step in between right exactly it's a nice way 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 better than a viking right Way better. That's what I'm saying. But it's expensive. Right. It works, and it doesn't. But it doesn't teach you anything. So right. it's expensive. It doesn't teach you. Anything. However, way better yep. than a pain pill. Right. Or or this or the that. pain pills and or the, or the anxiety pills, pills or whatever. Right. Us. Right. So so, but yes, no, you no. This is exactly it. I've been just absorbed by and and putting this in my clinic and with my clients for the last ten years. I have boundless energies for this. So. Yep. I'd be happy to be back. Oh no, no, we like absolutely, and I think again, and you know, we're, I'll put this at the at the end my my uh, email, but want to start gathering questions for the docs and doing this thing literally called house call, which you know it's like an, an old idea of doctors coming <laughs> coming to the house, but that idea of like being able to have questions that people are really asking because again, to me, HRV is just starting to touch the public's ear you know it's not something that i think is out there enough and so to me this is what's so awesome about having you on and us um becoming fast friends and understanding like where we came from and what we do um and because we are obviously buckeyes and the the ohio state buckeyes rule so um but i think it's exciting like that's the other part of it i think it's like exciting to really see the difference it's making, um, you know, like you said, with the basketball team you work with and the wrestling, it's, it's, it's a, changing it, people. So, so when I see these coaches prosper and I get to watch 
the athletes that go through their programs and they leave healthy. Yep. They leave healthy. They competed hard and they worked hard and but at the end they leave healthy, not destroyed. Yep. It is so beautiful to be a spectator now. Yep. And and and, That's and be not like and, the most rewarding it, thing. It's amazing. I you know, I'm not part of, after my goal is honestly is is that you really don't need me after say if you're trying to shift culture for an organization that you you don't need me after three years that within three years culture can be shifted and you actually don't need me but then i get to watch i get to watch the the teams or the organizations prosper for years and and it just puts a smile on my face when you know one of the first uh basketball one of the first data point I had the first year we were trying this with the basketball team, um, and I had to convince the basketball coach. You know, I had to tell him, "Okay, remember, I was a wrestler. I know I'm talking to you about this breathing <laughs> stuff, uh, but I, if they don't run their wind sprints, I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to hug them. I promise. <laughs> I promise. You don't ever have to do that. You right. can speak truth. Um, but the first season we did, and it was." It was tumultuous. Um, they still, you know, competed for their conference title. Um, and at the end of the season, you know, he had poor retention rates. And now the retention rates are through the roof. Um, but the sole senior said, this is the most fun I had ever playing basketball. That's awesome. Now, they did not excel in their performance that year, but they did not take a drop off. Right. So for me, it was bingo. Yep. All right. So it's now there's great an element. To see that light bulb. There was an element of fun, uh, and they there wasn't a drop off. Well, that comes me, first. To me, the, that comes first. Yeah. Later, the performance went through the roof. To me, it's also just the coaches have to buy into it. That's that is like the sole area but, but like you ground to, zero but, of like if they don't buy it like that's when because you said you can be there for three years but if they don't but, like it doesn't matter but it yeah but i gotta convince them so right. we had knocked down drag out conversations <laughs> right about the, the you know you know when you when you lose a road game uh and you, you you drive three hours four hours on the bus and then you get out and do sprints at 1 30 in the morning um there are cons- there are physiologic consequences to that, <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah. and I also simplify things. You know, um, you know, when when a January. I'm sorry, you're probably trying to wrap this up. No, 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 no. One of the simple I, things we can keep talking. As I said, January first. All right, January first, basketball or wrestling season. If someone makes it to January first, working that hard, when they start saying. That drill is stupid. The sport is dumb. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. It's a barking dog. What they're saying is, I'm exhausted. Um, So that may be true. They may not be committed in September. But if they make it to January 1st, they do care. So regardless of what they say, you never respond to the I don't care. You just recognize it. They're burning the candle at both ends, and they're they're there's somehow there's something going on. Maybe they're dehydrated. Right. Maybe their parents are divorcing. Maybe they think 
you think they're a loser, maybe they're failing calculus. Let's let's create a methodology. Uh, but fatigue makes everyone there. Yeah. Well, and also, it also for an athlete, fatigue makes it where you make mistakes. Yep. And that's the, like, again, like it goes back to performance. These are things, these are tools to benefit your performance. That's where, like, I think if, if people, un, like, again, like, I don't want to put this just on student athletes or athletes in general. This is for everybody. Like, if you understand that this is beneficial to whatever it is you do, ta-da. It's it's healthy. Yep. Sustainable high performance. Yep. Is the goal. Yep. That was a damn good ending. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Pleasure uh, being here. Thank Ron Garba, Dr. Ron Garba from the Ohio State University. Thank you. And I know we will come back to this and we'll have way more to talk about. Thanks, you. All right. Thanks so much to Dr. Ron Garva and always for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Seriously interesting discussions today on the benefits of heart rate variability. Uh, again, thanks to Riker for giving us a taste of your music today for the podcast. Please stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and all of our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information. See you next week as we talk with New York Times best-selling author, Andrew Marinus. Uh, please make sure to go check out his newest book, Games of Deception. It's actually available uh, as an audiobook as well. Thanks again, and don't forget to exercise the body and exercise the mind. See you next week. I write these songs to get you out of my head I hate that I love all the things you said And I really want to say goodbye in your bed I think I'll write this song instead